Well, I am excited, everybody. Week one of this series, Heaven on Earth. And just to set this up, I want you to, to know this. And this is really the synopsis and big ideas. And we, we all know this. Our world is broken. It needs hope. But I want to remind us for the next few weeks, if we've forgotten, we have the answer. And his name is Jesus. And what would it look like if we recognize the opportunity to not just live life to experience heaven on the other side of eternity, but bring heaven to the people and situations around us? What if we recognize that God has empowered us, called us, and equipped us with everything we need to love and care and show people the goodness and the greatness of God? We say this often in our church, we exist to help people find God and find life because I believe this from the very deepest part of who I am is that the very best life in this life is the life that's surrendered to Jesus Christ. I believe it with all my heart and I want everybody to understand and experience like I do and like I'm pursuing what it means to know the fullness of God and the access to everything that God has for me. I don't know about you or what you think of, but as I was studying this week and thinking about this idea of heaven on earth, maybe for you there's different thoughts that come to mind when you think about heaven on earth. When I think of heaven on earth, I think about the first time I pulled out of my driveway at 16 years old in a car all by myself. Listen, do you remember what that moment was like? The joy, the freedom, I mean, I only took a two-minute drive around the block, but it was the best two minutes. It was like heaven. I'm like, man, this is amazing. I'm so free. I can go where I want to go, even if it's only around the block. Maybe for you, heaven on earth was the day that you got married and it changed everything, or the day you had a baby. Or spiritually, maybe for you, you remember. Do you remember the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ? The flood of emotion and how you felt and how it changed you and how it changed your perspective on everything. Maybe it's a spiritual experience. Maybe it's the feeling that you had when you did something good for somebody else. Maybe it was this week or years ago and you're, you're drawing a memory of a time where you loved on somebody else only to realize that the one who was really blessed in that situation was you. Or maybe for some of us in the room, when you think of heaven on earth, you think about that serene location. For me, I think about heaven on earth, I I imagine a a beach sunset with a cool breeze in your face. You know, there is something about being in nature and experience the greatness of God. It's like heaven on earth. I remember Jen and I, we were married in 2014, still in college, and I had done everything I could to save for a honeymoon and we made plans. We got married in Plant City, Turkey Creek Assembly of God. And I couldn't wait to leave that night to head toward the honeymoon. We headed to Siesta Key for a couple nights and hung out there and just enough time to get down to Miami where we boarded a cruise. And speaking of heaven on earth, everybody, I, I haven't been one in a long time, but the memories I have of heaven on earth are it just, just being without a cell phone for a few days. How many know that's heaven on earth right there? I mean, there's just something joyous about knowing I do not have to return email or even get your email. It, it's just peaceful and, and, and it's heaven on earth because you get on there and you eat and then you sleep and then you eat. 
And then you sleep. And while you're sleeping, you're dreaming about eating again. That's right. That's all you do. It's just, it's just great. And I remember we got set up with this group every night that we were having dinner with, and they were all young couples. And we built some cool relationships that we stay connected with these people. And still some of them were on Facebook together now and seeing what's going on in their lives. It was an amazing time. And I remember that first night at dinner, they brought us a menu and you know, we just did what we typically do at a restaurant. We found uh, something we liked and they started bringing everything out to us, brought us the salad, brought us the appetizer, brought us the bread roll. You know, we're eating everything because that's what you do. Brought us the meal. We make it tonight too. And we're going around looking at our menu. What are we going to have tonight? And as they made their way around, the the waitress asked one of the gentlemen what he wanted to eat. And he said, well, I'm going to have the chicken. And then he said, I'm also going to have the shrimp dinner. At which point I was looking down at my menu and I looked up at him with my eyes open wide like, whoa, what just happened right here? You ordered two meals. And that night we got back into the, to, to our room. I said, Jen, did you hear what, did you see what that guy did? And we put a game plan together because we realized we were doing this thing wrong. <laughs> said, no more wasting calories on bread rolls. We can get bread rolls anywhere. Listen, we were two college students that were now on a cruise and we had a game plan and we were going to make the most of this opportunity. Night three was different than night one and two, everybody. She gets to Jen and the waitress said, what you want? She says, well, I'll do the, I'll do the filet and I'll also do the lobster. Come on. My girl knows how to eat. You know what I'm saying? And, and she got over to me and, and I said, I'm going to do the chicken. I'm going to do the shrimp and you can hold the rolls because we're going to split all this. And we had a seven night cruise and we had this game going as each night, how many lobster, lobster we could eat on that cruise ship. I mean, and we were just a little crabby, you know, by the end of that, that, that boat, we'd eaten too much, but we realized something had happened in our minds that we didn't understand when we first got on the cruise ship is that when we paid to go on the cruise, we had also paid for access to everything the cruise had to offer. Oh, I'm going to preach really good this morning. So go ahead and get with me. All right. Here's what you need to understand about God is God didn't create you just so you could survive this life. God created you and he put his spirit inside you so you could have access, not to the bread rolls, so you could have access to the lobster. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? That's what heaven on earth is all about. It's not living my life. So hopefully I punch my ticket and I'm good enough or I do good enough or I have faith big enough to one day experience the greatness of God. No, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that I could operate in the fullness of everything that God has for me today. If you believe it, somebody say amen. 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 It's Christ in me. That's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about today. Christ in me. If you've got your notes, grab them this morning, because I believe God wants to speak to us today. And here's my heart is that over the next few weeks is that we would catch a glimpse. And I hope everybody would catch, catch a picture of what, what it could really look like if God used us to bring heaven on earth to every aspect of our lives. Let me ask you, how would your home 
be different if you brought heaven to your family? How would your work be different if you showed up tomorrow morning knowing that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is inside of you and you're bringing heaven to your work? Listen, what would it look like, everybody, if Bay Chapel understood that we had the responsibility and the opportunity to bring heaven to New Tampa and Wesley Chapel? We would fill this room every week. We would hear testimonies every week of healing, of life change, of miracles. Listen, it would be like it would be like Chick-fil-A everywhere, man. We would be loving and serving and giving. And I, I want us to catch a picture. One of the things we're going to do this morning as you leave, we're going to give you a kindness card. I'm going to challenge everybody. Take one, two, 10, 20, whatever you want to do and find practical ways to love people. Buy their coffee, buy their lunch, care for somebody, show somebody the love of God. And then another way on March 30th, three weeks from yesterday, we're going to gather as a church and I'm going to challenge every single person that believes that we can be heaven on earth and we're going to serve our community. We're going to pass out waters at sports fields all across, little leagues all across our area. We're going to clean up the campus here. Connect groups are going to do projects. We're going to meet people in need. We're going to help out foster families with projects. And I believe that God's going to get all the glory for what we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Look what, look what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, you have been chosen by God himself. You are priest of the king. You are holy and pure. This is such a powerful thought. Chosen by God, you're priest, you belong to, to the king, you're holy and pure, you're God's very own. All this so that you may show to others, bring heaven on earth, how God called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. He says this, because of your relationship, because you've surrendered your life, because Christ lives in you, You've been chosen. You've been called out of darkness. You have access to every good thing that God has for you. Makes me think about when I was 12 or 13 years old, we had a guy in our church. He was the general contractor, and he was just the the engineer over designing what was then called the Ice Palace or Amelie Arena. Great guy, Brandon. They had just about finished. They just finished, and... It was hockey season, and something happened right before that first game in the Ice Palace. Brent reached out to my Uncle Jeff, said, I've got two extra tickets if you know somebody. My Uncle Jeff invited me. I tell you, at the time, I had never been to a hockey game. Honestly, I I'd maybe ice skated once in my life. I couldn't make it one time around the rink without tripping or falling. But I know this, when I showed up that night, I, I was part of an amazing experience, the first ever game against the New York Rangers at the Ice Palace. And we didn't have just any ticket. <laughs> Man, we had this ticket and Brent walked us to this room and all we had to do was flash our ticket that said, hey, I'm with Brent. And we sat down in this first suite and there were important people all around us. I didn't know who they were, but they were being interviewed and everybody was looking at them and asking for autographs. I knew they were important. And I look behind me and there was this, man, just huge spread of food. Let me just go ahead and warn you. Everything's going to be about food this morning, all right? Just, I don't know why God worked this out like he did. But, and about a third of the way through the game, Brent, he said, man, I want to take you another place. And he took us up a level to a corporate suite. And there was this huge room. And as we made our way into the suite, I flashed my badge. And I said, I'm with Brent. 
I was a nobody, but that night I was a somebody because I was with Brent and Brent took me in and there came walking a lady with this huge platter of cocktail shrimp, everybody. And I tell you, I devoured those things like it was my last meal. And I said, I'm with Brent. And, and, and he said, I got something extra special to show you. And he took us back to this room and we flashed our, our pass again. I said, I'm with Brent. And we walked into this room where there was a drape and there sitting on a podium was Lord Stanley's cup. Come on, man. I mean, the cup that they hold when they win, you know, the, the Stanley cup, whatever they win, you know, in hockey. And uh, exactly. And I'm not a huge hockey fan, but I knew this was an important moment. And we did what you do when they win. The, we, we actually got to touch and hold the trophy. We kissed the trophy and I flashed my badge and I said, I'm with Brent, everybody. And I didn't deserve any of it. I had no right to be there. But I got to experience it all because I was with Brent. Let me tell you this. We're not here today because of our goodness, because of what we've done, because of how tall we are, how good you look. We are here today, as Peter said, because we are chosen. We've been called out because God has put his spirit in us. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And here's the challenge, everybody, to leave this morning knowing I'm not going to live another day just surviving my life. But I'm going to live my life thriving because of who lives inside of me. Colossians 1.27 says this, this mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. But now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. And this sums up the message right here. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. I can't even wrap my mind around it. I mean, my heart is in me, my organs are in me, my, uh, I'm, I'm made of a body, but I'm not just my body. Christ lives in me. If we this morning could catch a picture of how amazing and how awesome this is, it would change our reality forever. That everywhere I go and everything I do, Christ lives in me. And what makes your life valuable is not how many Facebook friends you have or how many people like your Instagram post. What makes your life valuable is that Jesus lives in you. Imagine for a moment that you got home today and decided, you know, I don't want to cook. Let's order a pizza. And you call Papa John's and the delivery guy showed up to your house And he rang your doorbell and you opened the door and there he was standing, holding your pizza in his bare hands. And and grease was running down his arm and cheese was falling over the side and he was doing his best to balance it. First off, you would be like, dude, what what is wrong here? And where have your hands been? Right, because you're not, no matter how good a guy that is, you're not eating a pizza that was delivered in some guy's bare hands. Can I get an amen in the room? But these guys, they have this thing called a box. And I'll tell you, 
This box doesn't do a whole lot except make sure that the pizza gets from the pizza place to my house in good condition. I'm not eating a pizza that's not delivered in a box. You know, I felt super weird yesterday when I went to Papa John's to get this illustration. You know, I should have sent somebody. I felt so dumb. I walk up and I say, hey, man, I, you know, I see all these boxes. I say, hey, man, can I get a pizza box? And the guy looks at me like, what's wrong with you? He says, well, I'm going to need to get a manager. I'm like, seriously, there's hundreds of boxes around here. And the manager walks up and he says, how can I help you? I said, I need a pizza box. To which that guy looked at me like I was crazy too. And I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I don't need the pizza. I just need the box. And then it got worse. He said, well, what do you need it for? Do I really need to be grilled? This is a 30 cent box. Just give me the, I'll pay for the box, you know? And that's when it got awkward because I said, well, I'm a pastor and I'm giving a talk tomorrow and I need to use it for a sermon illustration. To which at that point, the guy's mind was just completely blown. He said, man, I've heard a lot of things. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Take your box. I felt so dumb walking out of that place. But the reason those guys looked at me like I was so funny was because I was asking for the most insignificant part of the pizza. This box by itself is just a box. It's a 30 cent box. But everybody, what makes the box valuable is what gets placed inside. Do you hear me this morning? Listen, can I just encourage you today? You're just a box. It doesn't matter how nice the clothes are that you wore today. You dressed up, you got some makeup on, you know, you, you did everything you could to look your best, but you're just a box. But let me tell you, your life takes on all new purpose when you place something significant in you. And here's the whole message this morning. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords doesn't just live in a far off place. He lives inside of you today. And there's power in that in Jesus name. And here's the truth. Everywhere you go, you carry with you the aroma and the fragrance of what's inside. Every person you talk to gets to experience what's inside the box. Every, every look that you make, every conversation you have, even the way you drive. Could I just have eyes closed and heads bowed right now as we <laughs> close the search? Listen, we're, we're all giving off the fragrance. That's why I'm saying like, man, if you're going to put a Bay Chapel bumper sticker on your car, make sure you drive like Jesus. We don't pass out Bay Chapel bumper stickers for a reason around here. I want you to get it this morning. I want to get it. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. And it causes us to do three things. Let me give them to you if you're taking notes. Number one, it causes us to live with purpose. Live with purpose. 
I think about one of the most exciting seasons of our life, the, the season where Jen and I were pregnant with our boys. You know, there's nothing like it. When you're, when you're pregnant, it changes your whole perspective on everything. You live differently. You plan differently. I mean, you, you're, not, you're not thinking about the things you thought about. Some of the people you hung out with, you're not hanging out with them anymore. You drive differently because you know you're carrying something so valuable inside. I think about one of the most special days, January 20th, 2010. The day that our first boy came into this world. You know, there's, there's no amount of classes that you can take that can prepare you for that experience. They can tell you about it. You can watch videos. But being in that moment, I remember just overwhelmed and all that we went through and the stress and the joy and the pain. I, I remember standing next to Jen and I rubbed her back and it was just encouraging her. And I remember I just rubbed her arm for so long. And I, I remember the, the pain of that moment. As a matter of fact, my hand began to get so cramped from encouraging her and rubbing her arm. Oh, I'm kidding, babe. No, but I remember all that she went through. And Jen, just like every amazing mom in the room, understood in those painful moments that what's inside of me is greater than the pain that I'm going through. What's inside of me is greater than the pain I'm going through. And some of you are in a season where you feel like giving up because your health has failed. Because your situation looks dark. Because hope has faded. And I want to encourage you this morning. What is inside of you is greater than what you're going through. Somebody needs to know today. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. Because he that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it in Jesus' name. I don't know what you're facing or going through today. But you need to walk out of this room knowing you're an overcomer in Jesus' name. Keep pushing and going what you're going through. Because he is inside of you. Can somebody say amen? Live with purpose. Live with purpose. First Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter six. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves, but to God. He bought you with a price. So use your body for God's glory. You're you're a box this morning, but you're carrying the spirit of God. Live with purpose. Number two, live in purity. Live in purity. David, who understood the struggle and understood what it looked like to succeed and what it looked like to fail miserably, he says this in Psalm 119. He says this, how can young people keep their lives pure? But I would say that the question is for everybody in the room. Young, old, teenager. How can young people keep their lives pure? Not by following their feelings, but by obeying your commands. By obeying your commands. My concern for the church as a whole is we live in a world where we long for the parts of God that make us feel good, but we avoid the things that cause us to feel uncomfortable. 
And we're choosing a gospel that lines up with our worldview instead of a gospel that lines up with his plan. Lately, or recently, I was reading a book. Actually, it was a book about nutrition, and that's probably where I went wrong, all right? I was reading a book about nutrition, and this lady in the book, it's, it's actually some simple stuff that's changed so much for me. But one of the rules this lady in the book says is, says when it comes to food, you need to find food. You need to read the ingredients and find food that has five or less ingredients in it. When I read this, I realized, uh, lady, this is like 90% of my diet that I'm going to have to cut out here. I mean, everything, I, when I started reading the ingredients, and honestly, as simple as this is, I may, may be naive, but I've never paid too much attention to the ingredients. I just look at the calories and go, okay, 200, I can run 200 off, we're good. And, and then I don't even care about what's inside. And so I've kind of gone through the season about actually reading what's in food. And one of the worst times for me is when I travel. I don't know how you are, but man, I'm weak when I travel. I mean, I need something salty. I need something sweet and I need a big glass of iced tea. Anybody understand what I'm saying, you know? And one of the things that I love, I told you this was all about food today, didn't I, this morning? One of the things I love is is a good pack of grandma's chocolate chip cookies, Because this isn't just a chocolate chip cookie, everybody. This is grandma's chocolate chip. (laughs) To even encourage the idea, they put a picture of grandma on the front to make it sentimental. I just feel like I'm at grandma's house when I'm eating them. And I've never, I've never looked to see what the ingredients are. Half of them I can't even read. I just look at the calories. I glance by the calories. Honestly, I probably don't care too much. I just want one of grandmama's cookies. Anything wrong with that? It's just good. And I read the ingredients and because I know you're so curious to know what they are, I'll read them to you as well. Flour, niacin, reduced iron, thiamine, monotrate, riboflavin. Does that mean anything to you? Not to me. Milk fat, cocoa butter, chocolate liqueur, vegetable shortening, sugar, high fructose, corn syrup. I think that's sugar. Whey, molasses, eggs, leavening, ammonium, bicarbonate, salt, fructose, polydextrose. Doesn't this get worse and worse as we go here? Propylene, glycol, mono, and diesters of fats. I'm not even saying these words right. Soy, lecithin, modified cornstarch, mono, and diglycerides, caramel color, and natural and artificial flavor. Oh, man, that will just make you feel good inside, just reading all those. (laughs) You know, half of those things, I have no idea what they are. Can't a man just eat a chocolate chip cookie in peace without caring about what's inside? I mean, look at him, man. It's just a cookie. And in a similar way, I think so many of us have settled for a gospel that we would really rather not look to find out what's inside the book. We just want something that makes us feel good and gets us from today until tomorrow. And we want the God of the Bible, but we don't want to follow the God of the Bible. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? 
We've settled for a version of Christianity that says, as long as it feels good with me, and as long as it's okay with me, then I'll do it, and I'll be all right with God. But let me tell you, the pure in heart, Jesus says, the pure in heart will see God. You know what God is looking for today? There's, there's, only, there's only two things that make a box good. Only two things. It's got to be empty and it's got to be clean. It's got to be empty and it's got to be clean. You know what he's looking for at Bay Chapel, everybody? He's looking for people that say, God, I'm willing to be empty and I'm willing to be clean because God, I want you to fill me up and I want the flavor of God to be in my life. And I don't want to go around this life puffed up with self and filled up with my desires, but God, I want to be usable for your glory. I want to experience heaven, not there, but heaven on earth. Can somebody say amen? How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. This passes in 1 Corinthians. It's actually all about running away from sin. And Paul, the, the lead up thought in verse 18 says this. It says, stay away from sexual sins. Other sins that people commit don't affect their bodies the same way sexual sins do. People who sin sexually sin against their own bodies. I just want to be real and transparent with you today, church, is that so many of us have have settled for a, a pattern and a decision in this area of our life where we've justified things we know don't honor God. I know I have. And whether it's sexual sin outside the context of marriage whether it's secret addiction that nobody knows about. Let me tell you, for some of us in the room, the reason we haven't experienced the glory of God in our life and heaven on earth is we've settled for a cheap version of everything that God has for us. We we want the cookies, but we don't care about what's inside. God's saying to us today, let's be a church that's full of purity and full of character. Be a box that's clean and empty that I can use to reach this city and love this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you can walk home in peace to your family at night knowing that your character is above reproach and you can love your wife the way God loves his church. And you can love your kids with a pure heart because you've offered your body to God as a living sacrifice, live in purity, live in purpose. And third, as we close, live in power. Jeremiah says this, God, you've made the heavens and earth by your great power and nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. Let me ask today, what would it look like and what would your life look like and my life look like if we walked out of this room today walking and experiencing the power of a risen Savior living inside of us? It could change the culture of our home. I believe this without a doubt. God has just been giving me so much vision this week. Man, God has been giving me so much vision for our community this week of what it would look like 
if Christ lived in and through us and we could reach this whole city for Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, this is more than a three-week message series for me, church. I want to experience the glory of God in New Tampa and Wesley Chapel. I want all of Tampa, I want all of Florida to be able to look at our community and go, what is God doing through that church? What is God doing through that kid's ministry? What is God doing through every teenager on these front rows? And watch Wharton High School get reshaped by the glory of God and turn of our tails and freedom and Wiregrass and Wesley Chapel High and every aspect and sphere of influence that we have in this city. Man, God break our hearts. That we could hunger and thirst for everything that you have for us. Ephesians 3.20 says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. God do that in us today in Jesus name. Would you bow your heads this morning as we pray?